The Lifestylist, episode 177, featuring Luke Story. I'm Luke Story, a former celebrity fashion stylist and founder of School of Style. For the past 20 years, I've been relentlessly dedicated to my deepest passion, designing the ultimate lifestyle based on the most powerful principles of health and spirituality. The Lifestylist Podcast is a show dedicated to sharing my discoveries and the experts behind them with you. Time to let you in on a little secret, and that is the secret to my healthcare regimen. Now, in addition to eating a clean diet, getting lots of sunshine, taking saunas, red light therapy, all of that, what I put on my skin is really the secret to it all. And I got to tell you, at 48 years old, at the time of this recording at least, uh, the thing I get complimented the most on is my skin. People always say, dude, you're 48, what do you put on your skin? I say, Alatura Naturals, straight up. Uh, Alatura was founded by my buddy Andy Nilo who incidentally was a guest on this here show way back on episode 18. So if you haven't heard that, definitely go back and hear his story. It's uh, it's an amazing story. He got hit by not one, but two cars, got completely tore back. His face was just absolutely trashed. And so he began this obsessive journey of putting together the most natural, organic, nutrient-rich skin products imaginable. I mean, he is completely... He's like as obsessive about stuff as I am. And if you listen to my show, you know I'm hardcore. So I use Alatura Naturals for the anti-aging, uh, brightened complexion, detoxification of the skin, removal of uh, blemishes, and just hyd- hydrating the skin. So my favorite products are the night cream. I use it every single night habitually. And also the face lotion every morning. That's the first thing that goes on the grill after the shower. And then periodically for detoxing and just toning the skin is clay mask, which is like his first kind of flagship product. So I definitely recommend Alatura Naturals. You can go to alaturanaturals.com and enter the code LIFESTYLIST to save 20% off and get free shipping in the U.S. So if you want young, beautiful, hydrated, natural skin and you don't want to put toxins on your body, which are going to go right into your bloodstream, by the way, definitely try alaturanaturals.com. Again, enter the code LIFESTYLIST at checkout and save 20% and free shipping in the U.S. It's a really fat discount. Their stuff is not cheap because it is really the best. And you'll see when you get over there, read the testimonials. They have like 1,300. They got 4.9 out of 5 stars. Like, this is legit. I'm not the only one that's raving about these products. So get over to alaturanaturals.com. Welcome aboard, my fellow cosmonauts. This is your captain, Luke Story speaking. Fasten your seatbelts, put your tray tables in the upright position, put your seat forward, put away mobile devices. Wait, no, you can't put away your mobile devices because you need to listen to me. This is a talk I did a couple months ago at one of my favorite biohacking haunts called Next Health. If you caught Tuesday's show with Dr. Darshan Shah, you already know all about Next Health and the cutting edge biohacking that goes on over there. But I did a talk there and uh, this is a bootleg broadcast live recording of that night. And so I want you to be prepared. It's a little bit raw, you know, and I'm not using the fancy microphone that I normally use. Keep in mind, it's a live recording. So 
There's some audience interaction and all kinds of hijinks that go on that don't normally go on in my regular episodes. That's why this show is a bonus. So what we're talking about here is how to live in a city like I do. I love my city, Los Angeles. Yo, 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 Dodgers, I think. Is that the team here? I don't I know nothing about sports. Why did I even say that? Dodgers, Rams, Raiders. I like the Raiders. Are they still in LA? That was my favorite team when I was a kid. Dope uh, logo they had in the black uniforms. They were gangster. Anyway, love living in a city. It's fun, convenient, provides me with endless opportunities, especially the ones I have now to record so many of my podcasts in person that you guys are listening to. But uh, you got to understand that living in the city, uh, or even in you know most towns, if you're not living in a very remote rural area, there is a price to pay for the conveniences that we get to experience here. And while I don't like to be a tinfoil hatter or negative or paranoid or live in fear, I do like to be solution-oriented. And in this talk, I really dive into your water practice and your light practice. So how we can avoid putting toxic water in our body and the fact that you are basically water, and then how to optimize our, um, our lighting, and then how to deal with um, you know, all of the EMF that's in our environment and still be able to you know, have a computer and have a life and have a phone. Um, I'm not ready to give up my phone and go live in the woods or stop sitting in front of this microphone that I'm sitting in front of right now with a Bluetooth trackpad that's blasting radiation in my face, <laughs> the headphones that are plugged into a computer that's plugged into a wall. But I have a dirty electricity filter. Uh, I have uh, my Blue Shield um, EMF protection device plugged in right behind me. Um, I've got all kinds of interventions. I've got a grounding mat. So there's things that I do um, to really get back in alignment with nature while still enjoying the conveniences of city life. So that's what we're going to get down to here. We're going to give you a good urban biohacking blueprint. And even if you live in a remote area, you're still getting played by most of this stuff. It's just a lot worse and kind of magnified if you live in a city. So uh, before we jump into that, I would just like to remind you that if you want to get the show notes emailed to you every single week, it's very easy to join my newsletter And I also want to let you know that I'm very respectful with my newsletter. I am like the king of unsubscribing. I basically am only on purpose subscribed to maybe like five newsletters because I actually read them or it's information that I want. Uh, I I actually use an app called, um, I think it's called Unroll Me. And it just, you can unsubscribe from everything that you get, you know, you know what I'm saying. I hate junk mail, you guys, so I'm not going to do that to you. But I'd love for you to join the newsletter because a lot of people will email me or hit me up on social media and ask for links or resources that we talked about in the show. And I pay my podcast team over at Podcast Masters a pretty penny every month to make sure that all of those links are included in the show notes. So you might not know, but not only is there a YouTube video for most of the interviews that I do, Um, There is also a blog post for every single one at lukestory.com that has those show notes, but you can't always remember to go over there. You know, when you're listening to a podcast, at least when I'm listening to one, I'll like rewind it and try and screen grab it or Google the thing like sitting in my car on my phone. It's kind of a pain in the ass. So I will send you a newsletter with all of the links and show notes and all the information about the show sponsors and everything every week, but you have to do your part. You know what I'm saying? So here's what you do. Go over to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. That's lukestory.com forward slash newsletter. Or if you're on a U.S. phone, and this only works on a U.S. phone, you can just text me. Text the word lifestylist to the number 44222. That's all one word, all lowercase, lifestylist. And this weird number, I know, but this is the number you're going to text, 44222. 
you're going to get a prompt to enter your name and email and uh, baba bing, you're on the email list. So that's what's up with that. I'd love to um, keep in touch with you. And as I said, I promise not to over email you with useless information. I think I provide a lot of value in the newsletters and you'll enjoy it immensely. Okay, here's what we talk about in this episode. Actually, but yeah, there's kind of a we, there's no guest. It's just me up there spitting game uh, at Next Health. But there is, as I said, some uh, questions and audience interaction and stuff. So it's pretty fun. It's a lively talk. Let me put it that way. I kept it real because I didn't even know I was going to make a podcast out of it. And to be totally honest, let me just be real right now. I haven't even listened back to the whole thing. Uh, I just think it was probably a good enough talk to put out there. Uh, I don't think my performance was really what I'd like it to be in terms of a podcast, but I know the information that I'm about to drop right now in these bullet points was super rock solid. And this is information I've spent the past 22 years uh, putting together. It really is a blueprint to become um, resilient to city life. So here's what's up. Why we should be thinking about the water we put in our bodies before we start figuring out the best diets and workout routines. Yeah, that's what's up. Water's priority in my book. My complete water recommendations from top to bottom. Why you definitely want more than just a Brita filter on your faucet. Oh God, when I see one of those in someone's house, I'm just like, oh boo. Damn, you don't know, do you? You know, there's mountains that have 10,000 feet of filter material versus your three inches. Yeah, we're going to get into the spring water thing deep in this. How to get the cleanest water possible in your apartment or house, both for drinking and bathing. You got to remember that water that you're putting on your body is just as important as the water you're putting in your body. Why sunscreen is increasing your chance of getting cancer, not decreasing it. Why the artificial blue light in your life is perhaps your health's worst enemy. The best natural antidepressant in the world. Why light is the ultimate vitamin. The three types of EMFs currently bombarding your body while you're home, especially while you're sleeping. Why awareness as a general attitude is healthier than fear. The insanity of holding a cell phone up to your head. If you do that, even if you don't listen to this podcast, oh my God. For the love of your kids or loved ones or family, dude, seriously, do not hold a phone to your head or use Bluetooth devices on your head. Seriously, the science is there. We're going to talk about that. How to eliminate dangerous Wi-Fi signals in your home. Uh, I'm at my home right now and there is no Wi-Fi in my home. Everything's hardwired, but I do have Wi-Fi to turn on in case I need to live stream one of my interviews or something. However, because I live in a city, I'm getting inundated with 30 freaking other signals that um, are coming from my neighbors, but they're, you know, they're weaker because they're farther away. So we talk about that. And then finally, the grand finale, drum roll, please. The benefits of building your own Faraday cage bed, which I'm about to do. So I talk about why. So again, join the newsletter by going to lukestory.com forward slash newsletter or on a US phone, text one word, lifestylist to the number 44222. And starting next week, you're going to get an email with um, all of the show notes for next week's show and every show moving forward. So next week's show is Brainiac, Memory Mastery and Fantastic Focus with Jim Quick. I recorded that one in New York City. And uh, that is one you don't want to miss. So get on the mailing list and you'll get an email with all of the show notes and resources from next week's episode. That's what's up. All right, so here we go into Biohacking City Life, recorded live at Next Health in Century City, California. So I'm Luke Story. Uh, in order for me to get an idea of what we're working with here so that I can sort of 
uh, gear this talk one way or another. How many of you have ever heard my podcast, The Lifestyles? And don't feel obligated, you know, that you have. Okay, cool. So you'll have an idea of what you're going for. And those of you that haven't, that just ended up here with a friend or because you love Next Health, that's good for me to know because then I can kind of, you know, uh, shape things in a way that might make sense. So what we're going to talk about tonight is very difficult to cover in the amount of time we have. I tend to be very detail-oriented, and I go into a lot of detail when I talk about things that I'm passionate about and things that I'm somewhat knowledgeable about. What we're going to talk about tonight is how to live in a city like Los Angeles or a similar city with the types of challenges we have here to our well-being in general and give you guys some really a wake-up call in terms of what we are dealing with and then some mitigation techniques and things that you can implement in your life so that you can thrive and still have the conveniences and the things that we love about the city. So covering a topic like that is huge. It's difficult to do uh, in a concise way because there's just so much to it. So I think what I'll do, since about half of you are kind of familiar with my, my whole shtick and half of you are not, is I'm going to touch on maybe the top three uh, issues that we're dealing with living in a city. And then if we want to go deeper, I can probably point you in the direction of a podcast or some other content where I focused in on one particular thing. How's that sound? Good? Okay. Because we could, I mean, just if we get into water, we could be here for a month, you know? Uh, I really geek out on all things health and uh, especially ways that I can be healthy and still have the conveniences that we have living in the city here. So let's just go ahead and dive right in. Uh, For those of you that don't know me, I'll just briefly say, uh, my name's Luke Story. I used to work in the fashion industry for a long time, 17 years. Two years ago, I retired from that and decided to pursue my passion, which is sharing information about health and spirituality with the world. And I have a podcast called The Lifestylist. You have a flyer on your seat for it, hopefully, and you can take that and check it out. Uh, I'm all about addressing the physical, but also the metaphysical. And we just recorded a podcast, as Dr. Shaw was saying, where we talked about a bit of both of those. And so uh, I do some talks where we only talk about meditation and mindfulness and prayer and yoga and all that. And then some are more focused on the physical, but I don't want to leave the metaphysical out. I want you to know that I'm well aware that that's a huge part of the puzzle. And I think even just having a really strong um, spiritual life we'll probably do more to mitigate some of the health challenges than even some of the techniques I'm going to talk about. But in the interest of time, I'm going to focus on the physical because that's kind of where we are. You know, Next Health is on the cutting edge of all things alternative health in Los Angeles and I'm sure other places soon as well. So we're going to dive into that. And as I said, I'm going to kind of give you the bad news and then the good news. Let's talk about the elements, all right? So we've evolved over however long we've been here. I'll leave that to the scientists in the room. A couple million years, maybe in this version, a couple hundred thousand years, right? We've evolved to live in alignment with nature, in harmony with nature. So when you look at animals in the wild and you see how they live within solar and lunar cycles, they live off natural foods that grow out of the ground or live off other animals that live off foods that grow out of the ground. They're drinking natural waters. Uh, they're swimming in natural waters. If, if left unattended, they know what to do and they know how to survive and they know how to thrive. And that's why animals without our intervention or disturbance from pollution and what have you do really well. And we used to do really well too. 
And this is where the whole paleo craze comes in, is the paleolithic diet. And a lot of people are into that because, well, there's a lot of benefits, um, such as you know less disease and less inflammation and things like that. But really, it's kind of just going back to the way that we used to live, or at least a facsimile of that. So we can't go back in time. We live in the world we live in. It's all polluted. It's crazy. It's madness. It's okay. We accept that. We don't get negative. We don't get afraid. But we can, like some people do with their diet, going back to eating foods in their most natural state, whether those be animals or plants, we can also create an environment in an unnatural environment that mimics what would be in nature. So I think of it sort of as a paleolithic lifestyle in a sense, right? Like creating a home, a paleo home. And I'm I'm not even a big paleo guy. I don't know why I got off on that, but it illustrates the point uh, that if we can create a bedroom, a sleep cycle, uh, live in a way that's more in alignment with nature, it just makes common sense. And on my podcast, I've interviewed a number of really smart people, scientists, you know, brainiacs, PhDs, and I give them the theories that I'm about to share with you from just anecdotal experience, from common sense, from things that have come to me in meditation, realizations I've had while being out in nature, things I've discovered. And I got to tell you what, every person I've interviewed has agreed with most of the stuff that I'm about to tell you right now. Now, you might have someone who eats animals and another person doesn't. There's nuances to it. But in terms of environmental safety and health practices, uh, the stuff that I'm about to drop is legit. And if you um, keep an open mind, you might find that it resonates with you because, again, it's based in nature. So let's first look at our water. A lot of people will look at a glass of water, like the one I've got here. Look, I have props. Look at a glass of water. and say, Yeah, it's just water. Water is water. Comes out of a tap. You go over there, you fill it up, you drink it. What's the big deal? Maybe if you're a little bit self-aware, you might run that water through a filter. But to most people, water is this sort of vague substance that we bathe in, sometimes swim in. We know there's a lot of it on the planet and we try to drink water probably that's relatively clean and not polluted. We at least want safe water, right? We don't want pathogens, bacteria and whatnot in it. That's why when you travel to some third world countries that don't have sanitary water, you get sick, right? But beyond that, I think even people that are really into health don't give a lot of thought to water. And for some reason, maybe it's because I'm a Scorpio, I'm a water sign, you know what I'm saying? I don't know why. But ever since I got into health, I became borderline obsessed with figuring out what the hell that stuff is and what's the best uh, form of it that I can put in my body. Now, the reason that I think this is so important and so primary is we were just talking about this in the podcast. So sorry, guys, those of you that you know heard a lot of this stuff before. We just had an in-depth talk about this. But let's think about what happens when you die, right? If you're cremated, if you choose to go out that way, you end up with a little jar of powder, your ashes. Where is the rest of what was you? I'm just going to leave aside the philosophical part of this, which is kind of obvious that this is not you anyway. But let's say the physical part of you, what happens to it? Where did it go when you get burned up? You know, they float bodies down the Ganges, light them on fire. What's left afterward? Nothing. You turn into steam. You become a little steam room. You just go up in the atmosphere, right? Because you're water. Every fluid in your body is made of the water that you drank at some point. So your tears, your lymph, your blood, every fluid you can think of that comes out of your body is the water that you drank at some point in your life, probably the water that you drank recently. So 
say around 70 to 90% of your physical makeup is just water. So to me, this comes before, I don't know, should I be vegan? Should I eat animals? Uh, maybe I should eat organic, right? I mean, we, we shouldn't eat pesticides. <laughs> this comes before that conversation. I'm not made of freaking kale. I'm not made of grass-fed beef. I'm mostly made of water. So seeing as I'm made of water, it seems important to me to do a little research and find out what is the best sorts of water that I can put in my body and on my body, for that matter. A lot of people don't realize that the water that you put on your body is, in fact, water that you're putting in your body. Now, there's some memes that have been around in the health scene for a long time that say if you take a 10-minute shower, it's like drinking a glass of water. I've never seen any scientific proof of that, so I don't want to make that claim. But I can definitely tell you that you do inhale a lot of water vapor if you take hot showers. And if you sit in a bath or a pool or a hot tub, you're taking water in through your skin, which is your largest organ. Your skin is really a respiratory organ if you think about it, right? Stuff comes out, stuff goes in. We get that. That's why you don't want to use lotions and things like that that are full of toxins. It's like, where does it go? When you put something on your, you rub something into your arm, some lotion, and it disappears, where is it? It's in you. It goes in. Your skin breathes. So the water that we're bathing in and the water that we're drinking in are both really important. And I can kind of, I guess, I, as I said before, give you the bad news first. Hopefully use that kind of, uh, I'm not selling you anything, so I, <laughs> I feel good about doing it, but they call it problem reaction solution. You'll notice the media does this a lot. They get you all freaked out about something and then offer a solution. Uh, controlling governments have a propensity to do that too. Uh, but I won't get off on that tangent. But I like that in a sense because you can get someone's attention by going, oh, damn. So we think about what, why wouldn't we want to drink just tap water, even why we wouldn't want to drink just normal kind of filtered water with any random filter like a Brita filter or something like that, right? Which, by the way, those really don't do anything. They even tell you on the packaging, it says something to the degree of... Uh, it removes the smell of chlorine. <laughs> it's like, I don't want to drink some water with the smell of chlorine removed. I want to bring, drink water with the chlorine itself removed. <laughs> right? It's funny. Marketing's funny like that. But here are some of the things that are in water. Uh, pharmaceutical drugs. Trace amounts of those drugs. So psychotropic drugs, psych meds, right? Uh, bipolar medicine, uh, birth control pills, all pharmaceutical drugs end up in the water supply. Why? Because people flush them down the toilet, the pills. Also because people ingest them and then pee and poop into the toilet. And do you know where the water goes in most municipal systems in this country when you flush it down the toilet? It goes back into the water table and gets filtered and comes back up out of your tap. Bananas, yeah. yeah. Not all cities operate like that, but this one does in, in many places in LA. I've interviewed people that work in the municipalities, right, that work in uh, water sanitation. And I go, well, if we have all these toxins in the water, how did it get there? And they go, it came out of someone's ass. That's how it got in there. I'm sorry to give you the bad news, but that's my job. So sure, we can filter the water, but I just don't like the idea of drinking water that's been inside thousands and thousands and tens or maybe hundreds of thousands of people that is now coming back out of my sink and I'm going to run it through a piece of charcoal filter that's that long. Like what? Now, conversely, the water that I recommend and has been, again, verified by a lot of really brilliant people that I've talked to about this is true natural spring water from way up yonder in the mountains, right? So if you think about a Brita filter that's that long, 
that has the ability to filter out some things using minerals, essentially. It's got kind of earth elements in there, charcoal, rocks, dust, whatever the hell it's made of. But if you think about a mountain that's 10,000 feet tall from sea level, that's a 10,000-foot that's a filter. That water comes from an aquifer at the bottom of that damn mountain, even in some cases under the mountain. We don't even know how deep they go. And it's come all the way up through all of that rock, all of that mineral matter. And it's been filtered for hundreds and in some cases thousands of years by the time nature or God decides, boink, it's going to create a spring. That's why it's called a spring, because it springs forth. The earth cracks. You know, I'm sure, has anyone ever been to a natural spring? Up in the mountains, you're hiking, you're like, whoa, shit, here comes this little stream of water out of the middle of nowhere. It's not a creek, it's not a brook, it's not a stream, it's not a river, it's a spring. Boop, it sprung a leak, right? That's where that comes from. It's just this fantastic thing in nature, and there's something so fascinating about that to me that the planet itself has enough wisdom to know that when water gets through the hydrological cycle... We don't, in some cases, we don't even know how long that takes, that nature then decides, we're going to push this up to the surface because now it's ripe and now it's time for that water to come to fruition. The water is matured. It's ready to feed the plants, to feed the animals, even the human animals, right? So it makes the most sense to me to get water from the source. Now, eventually that water from that spring, it's 10,000 feet up and the pristine mountains of Colorado or Oregon or Maine or wherever it comes from, eventually that spring is going to go down into little creeks and those are going to go down into rivers and those are eventually going to end up back in the ocean and then that water is going to evaporate, be brought up into the clouds, those clouds are going to travel, the salt's going to be removed and they're going to be dumped on the top of tall mountains as rain or snow, seep back down into the ground, then boop, hundreds, of, <laughs> hundreds or thousands of years later, Bloop, it's going to pop back up and go through that cycle. Can you kind of visualize that? I wish I had a chalkboard, you know, to show the thing. But I just find that to be so fascinating. So do I want to get water that's filtered through 10,000 feet of filter material or through four inches of filter material? Does that make sense? And there's also this other thing called primary water that they discovered recently, and that's water... This is some crazy shit. This is some voodoo here that nature or God does. Primary water is water that comes out of the earth and springs forth that's never been on the surface of the earth before. Where did it come from? Voodoo, I don't know. It, the earth literally makes water. I mean, do you guys really think all the oceans flew here from outer space? That theory? I've never believed that theory. Like, how many damn asteroids with like a little bucket of water have to hit planet earth and like now we have 70% of this planet covered with water? Something about that is just not, doesn't add up to me. But the theory of the planet magically making water, I don't know, in my heart, in my gut, I'm like, yeah, the planet gives us water. That's just what I believe. Well, now primary water has been proven. So this is water that's not even ever been through that cycle. It just springs up. And that, my friends, is the chronic water. You can get primary water for many reasons. A, it's completely devoid of all industrial contamination because it's never been above ground since the Industrial Revolution. So it had no chance to pick up radiation, pharmaceuticals, fluoride, chlorine, chloramine, ammonia, God knows what else, heavy metals, lead, bacteria, all of that stuff, right? So to me, this is at the top of the hierarchy of water. And in the water system that I believe in, uh, from my own experience and research, is not black and white. It's on a spectrum, right? You have 
the best of the best of the best, that pristine primary water that God just brought forth from the planet is this divine nectar, right? That's the top of the top, platinum level water. And then down from there, you have some of the lower altitude springs and the ones that are a little higher in minerals and, you know, come from land that's not as pristine, that come from softer rock. So as it's filtered up, it picks up more minerals, which is not good. You don't want those kind of minerals. They're inorganic, meaning that when a water has a really high mineral content, those aren't minerals that you could get from plants. Plants have digested rocks and turned them into soluble minerals that your body can assimilate. You can't assimilate the minerals in water, just as an FYI. But like crappier, low altitude, high mineral spring water would be next. And then maybe reconstituted municipal or tap water that's been heavily filtered and then remineralized and re-energized and reactivated, which is kind of a process. Uh, there's not very many companies that actually produce filters that are able to do that, but there are a couple. And then below that, you have maybe bottled water in glass that hopefully came from a spring. One second. And then after that, maybe you've got bottled water in plastic. And plastic and food and plastic and water just aren't good things to mix because basically you're ingesting a certain amount of plastic if you drink plastic water. You know when you make sun tea? You ever make sun tea when you're a kid? You get a jar, you put some water, you put some tea, and then the sun makes tea. Well, the sun also makes plastic tea. That's called bottled water, especially if it gets exposed to light because light is what degrades plastic, not heat. You can get plastic as hot as you want. It's not going to leach as much as it will being exposed to light. So if you get, you know, some crystal geyser, some of that fake ass spring water, it's probably been sitting in a warehouse under fluorescent lights or been left outdoors or something and that plastic degrades. And then you have an endocrine disruptor, meaning it jacks up your hormones because plastics act like estrogen to your body and your body goes, oh, cool, we're going to get out of balance now and get all tweaked. So the water story kind of goes like that. There's a hierarchy of water. And uh, I produced, as I said, a number of podcasts about this particular issue. And I also made a document, a PDF, because so many people had questions about this thing and people are starting to realize how important it is. So I put everything that I just said into a document, um, which I'm happy to share with you guys. Uh, it's super easy. Actually, if you want to text it to yourself or write it down, it's um, you can find it at lukestory.com forward slash 129. Or you can just ask me afterward or something if you don't want to get your phone. But you can download the PDF for free there. And it has all of the recommendations that I've found for the best filters and the best, you know, the best bottled water, the best spring water and all of that. Because not everyone's in the position uh, or lives somewhere where they can go get their own spring water like I've been doing for a long time or have a company that will deliver unprocessed water. Uh, there is a company, if you live in Southern California, that I love. I've been using their water for years. It's called Live Spring Water, LiveSpringWater.com. It's an old buddy of mine, and he's just like a spring water hunter like me, and he started a company. He goes up to Oregon. He got uh, water rights on a property up there, had the water tested. It's pristine. I mean, amazing, clean, safe water. They uh, pull the water from the spring. <laughs> These guys are hardcore. Temperature also matters with water. When you expose water to light and to heat, it degrades the quality of the water if you want to get really geeky about it. Because water should be kept like wine, cold and dark. That's how nature keeps it underground. So Makande, my buddy that started Live Spring Water, taps the spring, or you don't have to tap it actually. Um, it's already coming out naturally 
fills up the bottles, puts them immediately in a refrigerated truck, drives them to a refrigerated warehouse that's dark and cold in downtown LA. You order it, they bring it back to your house in a refrigerated truck. So it's about as close to the source as you can possibly get. It's pretty cool. So that's livespringwater.com. If you don't live in LA area, or I think they do all of California now, you can go to a site called, uh, no, I'm sorry, findaspring.com. And on findaspring.com, they have maps where you can put in your location. It'll tell you where the springs are in your area and you can go there and collect your own water. And when you do that, I mean, the first time I did that, I was probably five or six with my grandmother um, in a place called Evergreen, Colorado, outside of Denver. And that's just what we did when I was a kid. We just, you go out for a little hike and you fill up some bottles and you drink those for the next few days. It was just part of Colorado living, you know? I forgot about it until maybe 20 years ago. And I heard some health experts talking about it. And I said, shit, I've done that before. I used to get the water. I remember that energy. And when I picked it up again as an adult, I mean, there's just, there's nothing that compares to having the earth deliver some pristine water to your body that's mostly made of water. Does that make sense? It's like you're putting the most pure, uh, you know, the most pure substance that nature produces into your unfortunately polluted body. And when you drink spring water right from the source, it's alive, man. It's just, there's another way to say it. It's very invigorating, a very special experience. So I just recommend not only just as a health practice, but almost a spiritual practice to get out there and lose the fear of nature. I mean, I tell people I go get spring water and can't you die? I go, dude, you drink tap water. You're, you're drinking birth control pills and like psych meds. You're worried about me drinking from a spring. Are you kidding me? Your water's been in someone's butt before. Like, let's get real. Not just someone, like tens of thousands of people's butts. Like, ew. I mean, it's terrifying. This thing right here has got butt water in it. It's made with LA ice. I mean, I, I know the owner here, uh, Khalil, he's been on my show, the founder, uh, co-founder of um, Sun Life over here. I'm sure they filter the water, but still, it's like LA tap water in the ice cubes, right? So that's the bit on the drinking water. And I haven't forgotten about your question. Uh, again, just get that the PDF and everything I said, because it's probably to some of you, you might know this. Some of you are like, wait, what? Where do I? Oh, no, I don't want to drink butt water. Like, I've got you covered. It's, it's in a free PDF, at least, you know, based on my research and experience, everything that I've learned so far and many years of diving into this. Uh, is in that PDF, you know, all the companies, all the filters, if you want to go that route and all that. So um, next you have your bathing water. And not to be an alarmist, but I just have to say this because God knows what my little body was put through when I was a baby. But if you have kids, man, especially a really newborn, you know, newborn baby or an infant, please, please don't bathe them in just raw dog tap water, especially if it's warm. It's really, really toxic stuff. So for yourself as an adult, love yourself, love your inner child, still filter your bath water and your uh, shower water. But man, if you have a kid, it's really important because their immune systems are still building, right? They're, they don't, their immune systems are not used to fluoride and chloramine and chlor- chlorine and all the crazy uh, toxins that are in water. So they're literally like getting scrambled. They do not have the defenses for it. We eventually over time, unfortunately, kind of get used to it and our body builds up certain defenses to toxic loads like that. But little kids are just not ready for that. So there's a couple things you could do to take care of your bathing water. 
there are a couple companies, and unfortunately just a couple, that make really hardcore shower filters if you want to do it locally at the site. Again, they're in the PDF uh, thing. Um, there are, for the bath, this kind of sucks, but for the bath, the best we've got are these little globes that you kind of hang from the spigot, and they filter the water as it goes through the little globe. There's some filter material in there. Not a huge fan. I don't think they're that effective, but still better than nothing. Uh, so that's if you live in an apartment and you can't do a whole house kind of filter situation. You can do the shower head and you can do the tub. But if you live in a house, uh, to me, the best thing to do is just drop some coin on a whole house filter so that all of your uh, bathing water is legit. And at least the water that maybe you know you make soup or coffee or cook with can also be that filtered processed water. But I would still recommend drinking like your actual water water, drinking true spring water. So if you have a house, you just nuke the whole thing so that every tap in the house is filtered. If you live in an apartment, you can't do that. So you just filter locally at the source. The thing is with showers too, that's really gnarly is um, having your skin exposed to certain chemicals is bad, right? Drinking it's bad. Also, you also kill your gut flora and cause dysbiosis by drinking tap water because it's disinfectant, right? So you're disinfecting the bacteria in your gut, another fringe benefit. Uh, But one of the main issues with showering in toxic water is now you're creating essentially new chemical compounds by making that water into gas. So water has different forms that it comes in, liquid, solid, gas, et cetera, right? Well, you're taking these chemicals that are bad on their own if you drank them, but then you're turning them into a poisonous gas, quite literally, as if that's not bad enough, when those gases then combine with one another, you're creating new compounds that we don't even know what they are. Like chloramine is what they use to disinfect LA tap water. Chloramine is chlorine mixed with ammonia. That creates a whole other chemical. They haven't even tested what chloramine does to you if you drink it. They kind of know what ammonia does. They kind of know what chlorine does, but they don't know what chloramine does because it's a different compound now. So imagine thousands of chemicals now turned into a vapor in the shower. So showering is gnarly. I mean, I I'll never take hot showers. I mean, I take cold showers for other reasons, a different conversation. But I mean, every once in a while, I turn on the hot water. And I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. Now I, I know why people do this. It feels kind of good. But I just take cold showers because it's practice that I have. But it's also great because you don't have to worry about breathing in those toxic fumes. And the last thing I'll say on this, and then I'll get to the uh, question over here if you still have it, is... I would highly recommend avoiding steam rooms. A lot of people think that steam rooms are healthy because you go in there and sweat. Now, when you go in a steam room, what you're doing is breathing in thousands of toxic gases. Unless you're a psycho like me and you go to Equinox and get the manager and grill them about the source water that they're using to create the steam. Now, I haven't checked the guys here in this mall. I'm not even a member there, but I'm so psycho that I asked for a friend of mine. I checked the one on uh, Wilshire at Miracle Mile. Manager, da-da-da, whole thing. They're like, let me check, let me find out. And they say, oh, no, it's triple filtered. We're aware of that issue, and the water is super clean. There's no chemicals in it. Amazing. Great. Steam room, awesome in that case. But if you're going to the kind of the hoopty local gym, it's like, yeah, you know, the cheap one that you you got the monthly on because they have the same machines, basically. You're going in the steam room like, yeah, I really took care of myself today. Self-care day, hashtag no. Bad stuff. (laughs) Breathing in a lot of nasty, nasty critters there. 
So, uh, so that's kind of the piece on water. And then I'm going to cover two more topics and then we'll do questions. Uh, but what's yours? Go ahead on the water one if you had it. Okay, so I'll, I'll go backwards. So one of the questions was, what about a sauna with no steam? Oh my God, sauna is amazing. It's one of the things I was going to talk about if I get to it. Saunas don't have steam. The steam inside a sauna is coming from your body, right? Uh, however, there are some saunas, like I go to this Russian spa. I love Russian spas with the really hot saunas and the cold plunges. And I just went to one recently uh, over on Pico and La Brea. It's called uh, LA City Spa. Amazing. I've been driving by there for 30 years. And finally, one day I was like, I should just check it out. I was like, this place is lovely. So at that place, great sauna. But here's what. Yeah, no, sorry about that. Here's did, I did that to Beverly Hot Springs. I talked about it for so many years now. I went there today. I was like, it's too crowded. God damn it. And I thought, well, stop telling people. I just can't be selfish. But at that spa, what I noticed a couple weeks ago is these guys come out with these huge buckets of water and they pour it on the rocks. I was like, oh, that's great. It's getting hot. And I was like, wait a minute. Not to be paranoid. I was like, where did that water come from? That's tap water. Or maybe water from the pool with chlorine in it. And now I'm like breathing in that gas. Now I'm not going to go tell the big Russian guy, hey, hey, listen, I don't appreciate that toxic water. <laughs> Could you not pour the water on it? I'm sensitive, you know. Just you, you take the hit. I mean, with all of this stuff, here's the thing. Awareness is key, right? You have the awareness, but then you let it go because the fear will kill you faster than the goddamn water. Can't live in fear and tinfoil hat land. But with the awareness, what's happened for me is I, I make slight, you know, um, slight changes incrementally to my lifestyle. Like I go drop 160 bucks on a really good shower filter, done and done. Like I'm not thinking about that for another six months to a year. You know, it depends how many people use the shower. Only one uses mine currently, so it lasts quite a while. But I don't sit in the shower like, oh my God, the water's touching me. I mean, like if you get neurotic about it, it's a fine line and then you, you get unhealthy. So back to your structured water question. The structured water thing is interesting. Uh, in nature, in those springs I'm describing, the water is inherently of a different structure. And that's when I started out. I said, you know, we all just see a glass of water. So this is, oh yeah, it's this clear liquid. I just, water is water. It's all the same. No, it's not the same because it all has a different energetic signature and it all has a different molecular structure, right? So when water travels in nature, it's really interesting. If you look at the work of Victor Schauberger, he discovered water, when you watch water in a river, it looks like it's going like that. It's not. When water travels in nature, it travels like that. It twists and turns in a vortex. It's like a corkscrew. That's how water moves left to, it, uh, left to its own devices. It's fascinating. So in the process of water moving inside a mountain made of rock, that's how it moves through the rock. It's crazy. So when water comes out in its most pristine natural state, that water is inherently structured, meaning the molecules have a different arrangement they would coming out of right-angled pipes like they do with tap water. So do I think structured water is a real thing? Yeah. Do I think that you can use devices and sunlight and all different things to change the structure? Yeah. I have this thing called a vitalizer at home. It spins your water like a tornado, says it re-sculptures it, probably does. Is it worth the 600 bucks I spent on it? I don't know, but it's fun to watch. It's doing some shit. <laughs> it's a good party trick. Um, you don't need to structure your water if you get it from a spring and if you drink it relatively fast. Uh, but that's the, the strange thing, too, about water is once it sits for a while, it goes flat. Water has gas in it, natural gas, right? And I discovered this from getting spring water from a, a spring that's about, 
6,000 feet up and I'd fill up my big glass uh, carboys, they're called. They're five-gallon glass bottles. They're made for um, home brewing, right? So one day I went up, I filled my whole car up, which I do every few months. There's a great spring in Big Bear, which is in that document, by the way. You can pull your car over and fill up your bottles. Pristine, tested, clean water. So I fill up and I went and put them all in my basement. I was living in a house at that time and it had this little basement where the water heater was. Unfortunately, it was a hot room, not a cold room, but it was concrete and it was dark. So I go, I load all the water in there and I'm sleeping in the middle of the night and I wake up to boom. I was like, oh shit, grab my gun, (laughs) walk into the bedroom, have to see what the hell. And I look down and it's just flooded. And Second Amendment, we have that. So if you live alone in a house, you want a gun, trust me, especially in the Hollywood Hills. I would look at the crime reports. I'd be like, oh, every house has been broken into this week except mine. But anyway, there's water all over the floor. And I'm like, what the F? Who's in here? And I'm freaking out. I'm half asleep. And then I open that closet door and one of those water bottles had freaking exploded because that water is still alive. There's still natural gas in the water. And I had the rubber cap on. And so the pressure had built up from changing altitudes. Fascinating stuff. I mean, I'm sure, you know, someone that understands physics in the room is like, duh, that happens because the molecule did it. I don't know. It's just some weird stuff that happens. Uh, But that water is structured. But if you let it sit too long, then the water goes flat. Like if you buy a Pellegrino and you leave the cap off for a few hours, it's like, it's flat. Well, non-carbonated natural water goes flat too. I say flat in quotations because it loses its structure. Because again, let's go back to God. Let's go back to nature. In nature, does water ever just sit still? No, it's always moving. If water sits still, you don't drink that water because then it's going to have life in it, right? Life can't really uh, proliferate in water that's really moving, especially inside a mountain, inside a spring, because there's no oxygen to support life. Once you bring water out of the mountain, out of the earth, and expose it to light and oxygen, now it can grow stuff. So it's, it's strange, the whole magical world of water. Distilled water, to me, would be the same as reverse osmosis. That's water that's going to be clean, but it's also going to have everything positive removed from it as well. So my personal, again, this is just my opinion, uh, you could remineralize and sort of reactivate or restructure heavily processed waters, but that's sort of like, I don't know, that's like buying uh, like a TV dinner of a burrito that's frozen and like, <laughs> like soaking it in the sink and put it in the oven, trying to bring it back to life. You know what I'm saying? It's not a great analogy, but it's still processed water. It's still water that you've You've changed its natural state to such a degree that now you have to try to mimic again what nature did in the first place. So if I lived in New York City, for example, it's hard to go find you know springs and fill up five-gallon glass bottles and carry them up to your third-floor walk-up or whatever. So I would probably, in a city like that, get some hardcore-ass filter and then remineralize the water with some salt or ocean minerals and then put it in my little restructure thing and try to mimic spring water, essentially. Um, in some cases, that's the best you can do. Again, it's just it's on that spectrum of platinum level, best ever in the universe, to like worst, worst ever, which is maybe tap water in Bangkok or something just straight out of the toilet. You know, you can taste the plastic uh, in water that's been excessively heated. But I would worry more about the light because light is what degrades plastic more so than heat. Think about if you leave um, 
you know, say you have uh, some plastic out in your yard, like a plastic bucket or something like that, or an old planter, right? If it's in the shade, it'll sit there forever. If you put it in the sun, in a couple months, it's going to turn brittle and crack up. It's the sun that did that, right? So, you know, I just try to avoid plastic altogether. One of the best things about getting spring water delivered or going and getting your own, it's also better for the environment because I never use plastic bottles. I have my own, uh, well, this is a different story. I have this one going now. It's a totally crazy-ass conversation we don't have time for. But when I'm not on this particular water, just totally crazy-ass other thing, honestly, we literally don't have time for it. But I never drink plastic bottled water because I just fill up a bottle every morning when I leave. It's part of my routine. So I go over to my dispenser and I have my own glass or like a metal uh, vessel that I just throw in my bag and I have that in the car so I don't have to stop and buy a Fiji or whatever. So you save the environment and also just save money. The only time I really buy bottled water is at the airport because they don't let you take your own water in. I had no idea I was going to go on water this long. I'm not familiar with the halo system, but I'll look into it. There's two, the two best filters I found, and then I'm going to cover briefly the two other elements I want to talk about. The two best ones I found are both from here in Southern California. One's called Pristine Hydro, and they're based in uh, Laguna Beach. I think the whole house system is 1200 bucks or something like that. Don't quote me. Sounds like a lot, but if you think about how much you spend on bottled water, I always say, hey, have you ever priced dialysis or chemo? <laughs> you know, that's what's coming later if you don't spend your money on your body now. Uh, 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 pristine Hydro. And then the other one that's just totally next level is um, called Ophora Water. And they're in Santa Barbara. That's O-P-H-O-R-A, Ophora Water. And those guys make crazy-ass filter. They remineralize, they restructure, but then they oxygenate the water to a really high concentration. And they also make hot tub units where your water is not only just pristinely filtered, but it's hyper-oxygenated. And it's like doing a hyperbaric oxygen chamber. It's crazy amazing. That's Ophora water in Santa Barbara. Not cheap, but definitely like don't buy a BMW and like buy their filter. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like it's on that level. No, I mean, one of those would be the optimal to me of all the filtration system I found, which is drinkable. But personally, I would still... I would still drink spring water if I have the opportunity. Again, first world problems. I acknowledge that. A lot of people around the world would be happy to get any goddamn water. And if you throw me out in the middle of the desert or the Sahara, I'm going to drink goat pee if I have to. You know what I'm saying? Again, it's on a spectrum. So we're talking about the ultimate to the all-time worst. And it just depends how you're situated, you know, uh, and, and where you live. If you live somewhere there's no springs, then you got to filter your municipal water, because um, even just buying bottled water by the case is not only bad for the environment and just wasteful, it's also a hassle. Every time I go to New York, I order this water uh, from the company delivered to my hotel. It's called Saratoga water. It comes in this really pretty blue bottle. It's great spring water from upstate New York, but I have to order six cases of it. So it's like my hotel room would just be littered with all these bottles because one lasts me an hour. So I use it for everything in my life there, you know, so not practical long-term to buy like glass spring water in those cases. It's just wasteful and a pain in the ass. We'll be right back at you after this brief but important announcement. 
Yo, I am super pumped to share with you beekeepersnaturals.com. Now, if you heard episode 175 with founder and CEO Carly Stein, you know exactly what I'm talking about. What I'm talking about are the highest quality bee products in the world from Beekeepers Naturals. Now, I've been using bee products for a long time. Back in the 90s, I was rocking like the bee pollen and and, you know, using kind of gourmet honey over the years and things like that. But until that interview, honestly, I had no idea of the superpowers and the variety of different bee products. So not only do these guys make the cleanest, most organic, most potent bee products, they also have the widest variety of products. So whether it's propolis, which helps you with the immune system, um, soothing scratchy throats, it's really potent stuff, or the bee pollen, which is a superfood with vitamins and nutrients and gives you energy. It has amino acids and protein, whether it's the raw honey, the royal jelly. Uh, they even have a tonic for your brain. I mean, they have a lot of great products over there. So if you're not hip to the power of bee products as a superfood, I want to highly recommend that you get over to beekeepersnaturals.com. And honestly, if you want to just learn all about bees in the industry and how it's done and how it's done right for ecology and for the environment, definitely go back and listen to episode 175. It's a, it's a great episode and the founder Carly is just brilliant and she's running a really great operation over there. So I'm very happy to support them on the show. And uh, like all the stuff I always talk about, I use them every day. In fact, I use it too much because I run out of it. Like when I interviewed her, I was like, so I do like a couple tablespoons of the bee powered, which is the really potent one that combines all of the superfoods in the hive into one product. And she's like, dude, the dose for that is half a teaspoon once a day. You're tripping. But, you know, I'm hardcore because uh, it just tastes delicious and it gives you like instant energy. So definitely get over to beekeepersnaturals.com. When you're there, if you enter the code lifestylist, that's one word, lifestylist, you'll save 15% off your order. So go to beekeepersnaturals.com, enter the code lifestylist. And now back to the interview. Going back to evolution, we know that humans were a lot healthier when we were living off the land, hunter-gatherer style, right? I mean, it's just a fact. The diseases we have now, we didn't have back in the day, before agriculture, before we industrialized the world. We were a much healthier species. We were not domesticated. We were wild. We were feral. We were beasts. And you can see this through archaeological records going back as far as we know, okay? So that's that paleolithic sort of um, way to eat. And now we've covered natural water. Well, we've also evolved <laughs> in natural light. Light is a nutrient. You know, your body is covered from head to toe in photoreceptors. It's not just your eyes that take in light. It's your skin that takes in light. And when your body takes in different spectrums, meaning a different temperature of light, it does different things to your body. And contrary to popular belief, the sun is actually the most potent vitamin in the world. It's not poison. We've been made afraid of the sun via companies that started making sunscreen in the 1950s. That's all fake news, guys. It's all propaganda that the sun kills you and causes cancer. You know what causes cancer? Sunscreen. For two reasons. It's full of toxins and it cuts out 50% of the spectrum of light. You have UVA, you have UB, UVB, ultraviolet A and B. That's what's in nature. That's how we've evolved. When you put on sunscreen, you're cutting out 50% of the spectrum. So your skin that has the intelligence to read the spectrum of light hitting it from nature, from the sun goes, what the F is that? I don't know what that is. Malfunction. 
not to say I don't want you to go out and get sunburned. I mean, you can sun safely. There's a whole process to it. But what I'm getting at here is that there's a certain spectrum of light in nature, and it happens at certain times. What's happening right now is the sun is going down over the horizon, and so it's getting dark outside. So what I just did right there is I just told my entire biological system that it's getting dark, that it's nighttime, also in here. Because without these on, and, you know, I mean, these aren't, they're pretty fashionable for most blue blockers. I had them custom made. You should see the ones I used to wear. Like the ones from Amazon. Yeah, not getting laid anytime soon with those on. But anyway, I digress. Um, When it gets dark outside, it's not dark in here. So there's a mismatch. There's a biological mismatch. Your body clock through your skin and your eyes is going, what? I'm scrambled. This doesn't make sense. Because when you look at these lights, and this is a healthy environment here, we're coming here for our health. And you know, you know, I love you guys. But anywhere you go indoors that has light that's white color is telling your brain and your body that it's noon right now. So I could keep talking and believe me, I could until 2 a.m. and we'd be sitting under this light. Your brain literally thinks it's still noon all day long. It thinks it was noon for the past 12 hours. I mean, just think about on a fundamental basic level how that would be confusing to your body. Do I want to go live out in the woods and only subsist on moonlight, starlight, and firelight that I make? I can barely make a goddamn fire. It's not as easy as it looks in the movies. <laughs> you take me camping. I'm like, give me three hours and I'll make a spark. It's hard. I don't want to do that. I want to walk home and be like, blink, light switch, bright ass lights. I want light when I want it, how I want it, right? So I'm, I want to live in the city. I want to live here. I want the conveniences. However, I have to realize that there's a cascade of really serious health problems that come as a result of not living in alignment with the natural spectrum of light, meaning the color temperature of light, and the timing of light. Your circadian rhythm is what regulates so many systems in your body, your endocrine system, your hormones, your neurotransmitters, your mood. You know how many people are on antidepressants just because they get blue light all night and they don't go out in the sun all day? I mean, do you want to like the best antidepressant in the world. You, want, you guys want the secret? It's free. There's no side effects. Well, there could be side effects. It's called going outside in the goddamn sun naked. <laughs> I'm, I'm serious. Safely. I mean, not to the point where you burn. It depends on your pigmentation, right? How much sun you can handle. Like this dude right here, you can handle some sun. I can handle some sun too. I've built up. I'm kind of uh, Mediterranean, you know, Italian. So I can handle the sun. I have a friend though who's uh, very fair-skinned, ginger, right? I always thought he was Irish. I found out he's Jewish. There turns out there's Jewish gingers. Who knew? Our friend Harrison, he's from Chicago, probably never saw the sun his goddamn life. He's like 25. He goes, "Uh, okay, I get the sun thing, Luke, but how can I do that? I'll burn and then I'll get skin cancer. I said, here's how we're going to do it. You're going to go outside naked in your backyard. The first day you're going to go for two minutes. The next day you're going to go for five minutes. Then six, seven, on and on and on. So you work up to maybe 10 minutes out there in the morning. Now, he rolls to the beach, shirt off. He hangs out with the rest of us brown-skinned people like nobody's business. He's got more freckles, hella more. (laughs) He's one big freckle, essentially. But he's feeling good. His vitamin D levels are up. You know, his neurotransmitters are up. His sleep's good. Now he's producing melatonin when he's supposed to and cortisol when he's supposed to. So after I saw that kid do it, the most fair person I've ever personally known that wasn't from a TV show or something, like actually I know the guy who's that orange, all over. If he can do it, anyone can do it. 
So the importance of light as a nutrient, the ultimate vitamin. It's no accident that uh, ancient civilizations worship the sun. You know, we kind of look at them like, oh, those dumbasses, they thought that thing was important. I mean, I, didn't you think like that? You're like, worship the sun. Don't you guys know about Jesus? Duh. No, they worship the sun, not because they were dumb, because the sun is God's gift to the planet, well, to the solar system in general, right? The sun is where all the energy comes from. So it's being in alignment with the sun and getting the sun exposure. Now, we'll have to work for a living. So we might have to work under artificial lighting that does not in any way resemble the natural spectrum of light in nature. So what can you do? Well, you can change the lighting in your home environment, or in some cases, your office environment, to be more of a warm color tone. You can install orange bulbs or red bulbs. That's what I do at home. My night setup is orange and red. So I come in the house, I go, oh, don't hit that switch. That's going to be the fake uh, noon light. I'm going to hit this switch, and everything's orange. So when it gets dark outside in my home, it gets dark inside, figuratively. So I still use light. Same thing wearing the glasses if I go out. Uh, and then there's also amplification of some of the healthy spectrums of life, lights, like red light, which we have here. If you guys haven't seen it, you definitely want to check it out after the talk. Uh, they have an amazing red light bed. So that's narrowing down some of the more supportive and health and life-giving spectrums that exist in natural sunlight, concentrating them and putting them into the photoreceptors in your body that have multitude of benefits. So I have a unit at home called a Juve, and I use that thing every day, at least once a day, if not twice a day. Boosts testosterone, it's good for your skin, reduces uh, inflammation, reduces wrinkles, speed heals scars, it's fantastic. And that's also what the sun does. However, that spectrum of light has only the good spectrum, whereas indoor lighting or what we call blue light or junk lighting has a spectrum that's in a very narrow spectrum, but it's the lighting that's actually not good for you, especially if it's after dark. So getting good sun, good for you. The sun is not evil. The sun is from the creator. It's the most epic vitamin in the world, the best biohack ever. Amplifying the use of certain frequencies of light using what's called red light therapy, which you can do here. And uh, then the last thing, and I'll take a couple questions, is have to do this in a concise way, is what we call non-native EMFs. So I just talked about junk lighting. That's non-native spectrums of light in the wrong temperature at the wrong time. Non-native, meaning it's alien. It doesn't exist on this planet unless humans invent it. You have something called non-native EMFs, which is electro electromagnetic frequencies. There's three types, magnetic, electric, and radio. So this is all the machinery in your house, your microwave oven, your refrigerator, air purifiers, anything with a motor and engine, anything that's plugged in, all the wiring in your house, every lamp, every device, all of that stuff is going to have a magnetic or electrical field that's deleterious to your health. Your body doesn't recognize those fields, those frequencies. Why? Because they don't exist in nature. So we haven't evolved with um, the equipment to withstand that barrage uh, of invasion. The last frequency is radio frequencies, which is produced by your cell phone, by Wi-Fi, and cell towers, and all of that stuff that's becoming so uh, widely used, especially in urban environments like this. So the EMF thing is one of those, it's serious tinfoil hat zone, 
because you can't see it, right? And we're like, what? I'm fine. I don't see any EMFs. I feel amazing. Right in this field in here, though, as healthy as this place is and in everyone's bedroom and office, uh, you're getting exposed to all of this uh, ionizing radiation. You're really being cooked from the inside out. It's super gnarly. So again, without going on the spectrum of being paranoid, because that's even more unhealthy, you know, fear is really bad for your immune system. Again, going back to awareness, like, okay, cool. I'm going to pull my head out of, out of the sand. <laughs> I'm getting critiqued a lot because I swear lately, so I'm working on it. It's, it's tough. I'm going to pull my head out of the sand. I'm going to acknowledge that there is a scientific basis to the dangers of electromagnetic frequencies on my body. And I'm going to make a few minor tweaks. Okay, so I'm going to give you a couple of those tweaks, and then we'll go into the stratosphere of the most hardcore tweak, okay? First one is, for the love of God, don't make me codependent. I do this to all my friends. They're like, yeah, so anyway, blah, blah, blah. I'm like, ah, are you kidding me? You put your phone up to your head? Dude, you're nuts. You know how much radiation comes up your phone? No, you don't. But if you had an EMF meter and you put it up to your phone and saw what the safe levels are... It's unsafe to be about four to six feet away from your phone. That's still harming you. I'm not even, this is not pseudoscience, this is real. To have your phone up to your head is complete insanity. It's just, it's insane. You're literally cooking your brain. If you're going to put it up against anything, like strap it to your ankle or, or something, you know, you don't want it near your reproductive organs, your heart, or your head. My dad used to walk around with his cell phone like this. You know, old school, old dudes, carry their shit right here, driving the truck. Now he's be sitting there like, don't be codependent, don't be controlling, Luke, don't say anything. I'm like, I can't stand it. Dad, give me your phone, put it on an airplane. So here's what you do. Super simple fix. It's called talk out here on speakerphone. It lacks privacy, admittedly, but, you know, you go in the other room. <laughs> the other thing you can do, of course, is use a headset. However, headsets also carry radiation from the device right into your head. So uh, Dr. Mercola has like a air tube ones that I haven't tried, but less radiation. For me, I just always keep my phone far away from me. If it's ever in my pocket, it's always on airplane. I'm a really annoying friend. Dude, I text you. What? You said you're dead. I'm, nah, sorry. Airplane. Not happening. In the bedroom, always on airplane all night. I've coached people that are like, oh, I would never sit and talk on the phone with the phone up to my head. Luke, I'm not an idiot. And I go, where's your phone at night? And they go, right under my pillow. <laughs> Is it on airplane? What? Air Why? No, I got to get calls. <laughs> really? No, you don't. You're going to get a call to the coroner is what you're going to get a call for. So cell phone. And then also another, I mean, this one's a little bit of an adjustment. I've done it though. And that is uh, running ethernet in your house and turning your Wi-Fi off. It's a pain in the ass. Took me, you know how long it took me to make that adjustment? Took me about probably 10 minutes to go on Amazon and find the right 50-foot Ethernet cable. Took me another 30 minutes to run that cable from my office closet and hammer those little things in, you know, the baseboard so it wasn't all janky, out to my living room, and then it runs up in between the sofa cushions. The whole project took me probably one hour, and now I just don't use Wi-Fi. Kind of a pain in the ass to sit on the couch and like plug your laptop in. Admittedly, not that awesome. 
but much more awesome than getting testicular cancer or whatever the hell happens to you when you live in all those Wi-Fi fields, right? It's a little bit of an adjustment. But imagine before we even had internet, you'd be stoked if someone's like, hey, guess what? You can connect to the whole world any second you want, but you have to grab this cable between your couch cushions and like shove it in this little hole in your computer. I mean, you'd be like, oh my God. So imagine there is no Wi-Fi. If that's too hardcore for you, what you can do is put your Wi-Fi router on a timer so that it goes off when you're sleeping. So at least you're not getting that radiation blast while you're sleeping. Amazon timer, 12 bucks, boom, set it. I, I have a timer on mine just in case I have it on for guests or something like that. It goes off uh, like 1 a.m. and turns back on at 7 a.m. Those are kind of the hours that I'd probably want to use it, right? So at least I get a little reprieve while I'm sleeping. Now, those are the two easiest fixes. Next, if you want to get hardcore, if you want to be badass, super ninja, you hire a mitigation specialist. They come in your house with about $10,000 worth of equipment. They walk around and go, and they find something under your bed that you didn't even know was there. On the floor below you, there's a freaking overhead light on your apartment neighbor downstairs, and that overhead light is right into your bed, and your bed's like two feet off the ground, and you're getting your organs fried every night by an electrical field, or your neighbor's Wi-Fi router is right under your head where you sleep because that's where their office is. You don't know that because these fields are invisible and walls are not. But if you get someone who's a mitigation expert, they'll come in with all of their little beeps and buzzes, and you'll be able to see when you have empirical evidence right there, uh, right in front of you, it's much more impactful because it takes the tinfoil hatness out of it. And you're like, damn, what's the safe level? Oh, safe level is 100, sir. And what's the level under my bed? 10,000. What do I do? Once a specialist comes in and reads the fields in your home and discovers all those hidden little goblins in your walls and coming from a cell phone tower that you didn't even know was like a mile from your house and is blasting you every night, uh, then what you can do is two things. And this gets a little expensive and a little laborious. This is a commitment. But after all these years, I truly believe this is the number one intervention uh, that you can make, especially if you're sick. If you have autoimmune, Lyme, cancer, diabetes, Alzheimer's, any of those hardcore diseases, you got to shield your bedroom. Number one, ground zero. I'm telling you, after 22 years into this stuff, just geeking out, as you can probably tell, how you shield your bedroom is one of two ways. Cheapest way and easiest way is you get a bed that has four posts on it. I happen to have one of those, ironically, and I'm going to do this myself soon, this uh, October. And you get shielding fabric and you get it customized to fit over your bed. There are some companies developing these now. They're called a canopy and people are getting wise to this. There's a huge market, by the way, for you entrepreneurs get shielding fabric and design something that you can just throw up over your bed that doesn't look totally disgusting. Uh, it's, it's, they're going to become more widely uh, available moving forward, guaranteed. Give it like the next two or three years. There'll be a lot of options. Right now, you got to go a little homespun. You get a four-post bed. You get the fabric. You have it covered. You put a mesh on the floor under the bed. Then you have what's called a Faraday cage. A Faraday cage eliminates all fields uh, around you. So literally you would go inside your little bed kind of tent thing and your phone will be dead. Nothing will work in there. No electrical fields will come in and uh, no radio frequencies, i.e. radiation will get in either. It's amazing. I've been inside one of these things. It feels like you're in the woods in 1685. <laughs> it is so still, so quiet, so calming, so relaxing. The most amazing thing ever 
that's what I'm doing. My bedroom might look like some shit out of The Hobbit or something. I don't know yet. Uh, you know, I'm just going to have to sacrifice a little design, perhaps, but I'll feel well. Uh, thank you. Uh, next thing, next level, which when I move into a house probably that I own, this is what I'll do after I do the bed thing, is you can shield your whole bedroom so that your whole bedroom is a Faraday cage, not just your bed itself. How you do that is uh, using a couple different tools. You paint, the, you, have the, you don't do it, you have the entire room painted with what's called shielding paint. Shielding paint, once it goes on a wall, no frequencies can go in or out past that paint. It has minerals and stuff in it that prevent that. So it's shielding paint. Then the experts that install it will ground the paint into the electrical system of the building down into the ground. So all of that uh, material that's on the wall now is grounded. And then you have shielding fabric that you either make curtains out of or you just have your curtains that exist already lined with shielding fabric. And then you do the floor with the mesh. Essentially, you have all four walls totally shielded and your bedroom is like a cave in prehistoric times. It's called paleo sleeping. I mean, that's a name I just invented. But you get the idea, right? Again, it's just, it's, it sounds crazy, but it's just going back to nature and why the bedroom is so important if you're going to do any type of EMF mitigation is because when you sleep is when your body detoxes and restores itself. You know, that's when you're, detoxing things like heavy metals. That's when your immune system is fighting parasites and dysbiosis in your gut, bad bacteria, all of the stuff that your body would normally be able to ward off by itself that we now use surgery and pharmaceuticals for. Your body has the power and energy to do that. When it does it is when you're sleeping because that's when you're in a truly parasympathetic state and your nervous system says, okay, we're sleeping now. We let our guard down. Now we let all of those systems within your body do the work that they're designed to do. That can't happen if your body's being hammered with EMFs while you sleep. So I told you I'd give you the good news and the bad news. So that's your water, your light, and then the electrical fields. The last thing I'll say on the electrical fields is how important it is to touch the ground to get your bare feet on ground as much as possible. Me personally, I have some... Mandals that I wear around, they're called earth runners. They have a little metal plug on the bottom. And then the straps have metallic thread in them. So anytime I'm on a grounded surface, like concrete, sand, earth, I'm electrically grounded to the planet, which again, going back to nature, is how we've evolved to exist. There's not one animal on the planet right now and has never been, with the exception of birds in flight or migration, that aren't electrically grounded 100% of their entire life. Every single creature on earth is either touching ground, a tree or plant, or the earth their entire life, unless they're flying. Think about that. And we're like, cool, let's make rubber-soled shoes and multi-story buildings that are disconnected. We'll be awesome. <laughs> it's not happening. So you can get grounding technologies and things, but I think the best is just getting outside and getting barefoot on the ground, especially being grounded when you're getting sun because you are getting a certain degree of, of radiation and oxidation that's present with you know the sun's radiation and that's mitigated by your being grounded you got time for a two-second question yes sir and there was one back here we'll get to yours if you still have it yeah yeah so the question is for those that couldn't hear his friend has uh what's an emf shielding canopy that you know they make them it sort of looks like a mosquito net is that what she has yeah so it's it's like gathered at the top and then it comes down in sort of a pyramid shape right so it covers the bed and uh, he's suggesting that 
there's an issue because underneath the bed is still getting frequencies that come up through. Yeah, totally. So what you'd have to do is get shielding mesh and put that under the bed. And then she is living in a Faraday cage. There might be a couple leaks here and there. It's not done right, but it's a hell of a lot better. And I'll add to that because you mentioned having, you know, you're, maybe I shut my Wi-Fi off and I run Ethernet. But if I live in a huge apartment building, I pick up 30 signals. Like, why even bother? It does matter because distance is everything when it comes to radiation. Well, and electrical, all the fields actually. So like I said earlier, if my cell phone's on and it's, when, you're, when your phone's trying to find a signal and when it's connecting, that's when it produces the most radiation, by the way. So the worst thing you can ever do is have a call connecting and put it to your head. Once it connects, it's actually safer to have it, I mean, it's still stupid, but safer to have it to your head than it is when it's connecting. When your phone's trying to reach the towers, it's gnarly. But it's all about distance. So when my phone's over right here or a Wi-Fi router, bad. But if I get way over here, it's a little bit better. If it's my neighbors and it's like 30 feet over there and down 10 feet, it's way easier on your system than your router that's six feet away. So distance does help. Even if you can pick up those signals on your computer and you're like, shit, there's 30 Wi-Fi signals trying to reach me. They're very faint in most cases compared to the one that's on your floor. Because there's distance not just between here and there, but also from high to low. It might be like two floors down. That's another 40 feet or whatever it is. See what I'm saying? So, yeah. But the Faraday bed thing, I'm telling you, smart entrepreneurs are going to get on that. And it just you'll have a little kit. You just throw up in your bed. It's no big deal. Like when you make your bed, they're like, oh, I just take down the EMF thing, throw it in the bed. It's like travel, every hotel, pop it up, little tent. It'll just be, everyone will just have that. Everyone that's smart. Uh, one, one sec, we'll do your smart meters. Well, your uh, Faraday room, a shielded room, or a Faraday cage around your bed will protect you from a smart meter. Smart meters, by the way, are the dumbest thing ever. Uh, some of them are more dangerous than others, though. Some of them produce much more radiation, and some of them ping main towers much more frequently. So smart meters are not created equal. Some of them, none of them are great, but some of them are super gnarly, and some of them just normal gnarly. But that is a radio frequency, just like your Wi-Fi or your cell signal. And that can be blocked with shielding fabric or shielding paint 100%. Yeah. And there's also kits you can buy. Like if you have a smart meter on your house, you can put, they sell these kits that you can put on top of the meter that prevents the radiation from even projecting. When I see those things, I literally fantasize about taking a sledgehammer and knocking them off every house as I go down the block. Yeah. Smart meters are gnarly. There's... I've been in situations on numerous occasions where I travel somewhere and I can't sleep. I wake up sweating, my heart's beating, I'm having nightmares. I'm like, what the hell? Am I going crazy? And then I go check out and I walk, walk outside. I'm like, a bank of smart meters. They'll make you go nuts. The ones that are really strong, they're in some people more sensitive than others. I'm very sensitive to them. But how I know it's not in my mind is that's happened on numerous occasions when I didn't even know there was a smart meter. So it's not placebo. It scrambles your freaking brain. Well, it's very interesting. Here's the thing with organic. It's, uh, it's a little bit ambiguous because you can get an organic certification, but you can still use fertilizers that aren't good for you to eat in your food, right? If you think about a cucumber, how much of that cucumber is water? A lot of it. So what's the source of that water? Now, it could be said that the root system of a plant is going to filter out a lot of the contaminants present in even organic fertilizer. That What do they call PK... Something, um, anyway, it's a synthetic fertilizer, not like manure is a great fertilizer, right? That's why we'd really be screwed if the whole world went vegan because you couldn't grow vegetables, by the way. 
you need animals to make plants, just as an aside, um, that they make fertilizer. It's how nature uh, operates. So the fertilizer and pesticides or not, whatever they're using to grow, can then enter into the plant. And maybe that's why you're noticing that, because there's more toxic fertilizers, even though they can be labeled as organic. So, well, I don't, you know, I'm not sure. I bet it's probably both. I bet it's probably both. It's the water that's being used. Like irrigation water is really toxic water. Here's the thing. Like you can have a certified organic farm, right? And they're doing everything above board, but where's their water coming from? Their water's passing through all of these irrigation systems for miles and miles and tons of farms and being recycled and a lot of things present in the water, such as pesticides and uh, synthetic fertilizers and things like that are probably ending up in that plant matter. Yeah, I think so. But yeah, that's, that's interesting. But here's the thing with, with plants, uh, eating plants and vegetables and stuff and wanting to get ones that are, the mo- hey, bro, the ones that you're wanting to get um, more safe is if you go to the farmer's market and you get from small producers, they're less likely to be commodity vegetables where they're using really crappy fertilizers and using large irrigation water systems and things like that. You can find farmers from Ojai Valley and you can really grill them. I mean, I'm that nerd who's like, hey, what kind of fertilizer do you use? Is it manure or is it synthetic? Where's the water come from? So you can do your due diligence and just grill your farmer at the farmer's market until you find those ones that you really like and develop a relationship with them. Same with animal products. I don't buy meat from like, oh, Whole Foods, yeah. I trust your standards. Hell no. I've been to the farm where I get all my meat. I've met the animals and seen what they eat and the water they drink and the whole operation's legit. It's called Belcampo. True, I forgot about that. It's something I don't know a lot about, but glacial water is ultimately filtered. I mean, it's, the, it's a maximum filter. What's really cool about glacier water that I do know, and you can get bottled water that's glacial uh, spring water, essentially, you know, whatever they call it. That would be up in the platinum level, I would say, depending on the type of packaging, et cetera. What's interesting about um, glacial water is it's got um, very low levels of deuterium that probably no one knows what that is because I just learned a month ago. You know about it? Yeah, it's next level. And um, glacial water, because it goes through so many cycles of thawing and freezing and thawing and freezing and all that craziness that's produced in nature, it's some of the lowest water on the planet in deuterium. Deuterium is a molecule that's natural in nature that's bad for you if it accumulates too much. It's present in most crappy water in uh, great abundance. But yeah, you're right. That's something I I don't know a lot about, but I would agree, yeah. Yeah, if you've, what he's talking about is total dissolved solids. That's the the mineral content. Like Mountain Valley, you know, the green bottled water is like, yeah, yeah, that's good water. It's in glass. It's from a spring. It's actually not from a spring. It's from an aquifer. It's basically, it's well water. It's clean. It's legit. It's good. But it's got a TDS, a total dissolved solid of about 340 parts per million, which is a lot. That's why if you boil Mountain Valley water, in a pot and you let it evaporate, you'll have this white chalky film on your finger. That ends up in your body and in your joints. And depending on your vitamin K2 levels and a number of different circumstances present in your body at any given time, that stuff builds up within your body and it's called calcification. So what he's talking about is glacial water is the lowest in minerals. The very lowest water and minerals in the world would be distilled water because all of the minerals, 100% of them have been removed. Some geek even told me that you couldn't electrocute yourself if you were in a bath of distilled water and you threw a hairdryer in it. I'm not trying it. (laughs) But the theory was that because there's no minerals in the water, there's no electrolytes in the water. That's why they're called electrolytes. Electrolytes are minerals. They're conductive. They carry a current. Really interesting stuff. 
The bathtub's metal. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, don't do that, please. You know, these guys are going to get sued. Like, yeah, yeah. End of talk, Luke. End of talk. But the idea there is that water that's low in minerals is the best water, and I'm sure glacier water is is amazing. Yeah. Okay, so I think that's about it, you guys. We're going to wrap it up. Listen, I want to thank Next Health for having me, and I want to thank you guys for coming out. Appreciate it. Yeah. Super, super fun. Thanks, Kevin. Awesome. Well, there you go, guys. There's the blueprint for hacking city life. I hope that you enjoyed that evening. It was a really fun time for me. And one of the coolest things about doing events that I do, whether I'm talking about mindfulness, meditation, spirituality, or biohacking health practices, I enjoy all of them, but what I enjoy the most is when listeners to the Lifestylist podcast roll out to the events and I get to meet them in person. That's why I always plug my events on the show so much, uh, including, by the way, the one that's coming up at the uh, Neil Strauss Intensive, December 13th, 14th, and 15th in Los Angeles. You can uh, get in that at lukestory.com forward slash events, and that's going to be a biohacking intensive. It's going to be madness. But anyway, I digress. Because I, well, no, I don't digress. I I actually needed to plug that too. But that's why I always plug my events because I want to meet you. You know, I spend so much time sitting here alone on the mic, doing all of my show notes and organizing all the files and I'm in Trello and Evernote and Dropbox. And there's a lot of admin, not complaining, just identifying that this is not the most fun part of being a podcaster. The fun part is conceptualizing the show, picking the guests very specifically um, with a, a, a much... Uh, thought and consideration, prepping the episodes, really digging down on what I want to talk to the people about, and then, of course, doing the interviews. However, other than that, there's a lot of work that's by myself, so it's really fun to get to meet listeners to the show. So please, anytime I'm doing an event, most of them aren't expensive. Um, They might not happen in your city. I get a lot of emails and notes and stuff like, hey, come to Toronto or wherever, and I'm like, okay, um, something has to happen there. I think I've got something coming up in Miami soon, which I'm excited about. So I'll announce that uh, once it's on uh, in writing, as we say. But um, yeah, come out to the events, man, because you know me and you know the guests. But in many cases, I don't know you. And this evening at Next Health was really fun because I, mean, I think more than half the people there were podcast listeners, or at least listeners of this podcast. So it was really cool. Let's take a moment to... Uh, Thank our sponsors. We've got beekeepersnaturals.com. And I'm just, I mean, straight up, I think you guys know by now, if you listen to the show on a regular basis, if I have an advertiser or an affiliate or a brand that I'm slanging, that I'm shilling for, uh, I truly believe that they're the best or at least one of the best in class. And uh, it means that I have used or use their stuff. Otherwise, it's just not on the show, period. Uh, that's that's my rule. That's my integrity to myself. And uh, I interviewed Carly Stein, the founder and CEO of Beekeepers Naturals, uh, a couple of weeks ago in episode number 175. So if you want to get your mind blown by just learning about bees and beekeeping and their role in the environment and ecology and how powerful bee products are and the fact that there are a bunch of different ones, definitely go back and check out number 175. You can find it easily in the feed because it's close to this episode. I think it was a couple shows ago. So if you go to beekeepersnaturals.com, you can see their whole suite of uh, bee products there. And what I like about their stuff is that it's not only organic, because you can find like organic bee pollen and honey and stuff, but they're the only company at least that I know of. There might be others, but the only one that I know of 
that do third-party lab testing to make sure that they don't have any glyphosate, any pesticides, any heavy metals, mold, weird stuff that might happen. Because what's tricky about beekeeping is that you can have an organic bee farm, but bees travel, I think she said, like up to five miles. And so if someone down the road is like spraying Roundup on their freaking GMO crops, your organic bees are down there sucking up that nectar and bringing it back into your hive. And then you're selling organic honey that's tainted. It's a huge issue, not to mention just all the fake honey that's made with corn syrup and all kinds of nasty stuff. But even like good quality organic honey is often tainted. So I love the fact that their stuff is just super safe and it's very powerful. So that's beekeepersnaturals.com. Of course, you guys, I got a little hookup for you. I don't think I could run an ad unless they're willing to give you guys a discount. So if you go to beekeepersnaturals.com and enter the code lifestylist, that's one word, lifestylist, you'll save 15% off your order. So that's what's up. Go get beezy. All right, next we've got Alatura Naturals and uh, another guest on the show, Andy Nilo. And I don't have my notes in front of me, but uh, it might have been around episode 18 or so, like way back in the day. I'm talking back in the vintage Lifestylist podcast feed, uh, 2016, I think that would have been. And Andy Nilo has an amazing story. So you definitely want to check that episode out. I mean, talk about like rising from the ashes. Homeboy was hit by not one, but two cars at the same time, just got his whole body wrecked and smashed, including his face. And so that was the impetus for him to start creating these amazingly powerful natural skincare products so that he could get his looks back because he was a model. That's why he made a living. Um, and as well as an athlete and stuff. So like he had to get his body back in shape fast. And so he just went super nutty, obsessive, um, building these ingredient decks, these recipes for stuff to put on his face. So eventually he ended up making a company called Alatura Naturals. And uh, you can find them at alaturanaturals.com. That's A-L-I-T-U-R-A-N-A-T-U-R-A-L-S. Alaturanaturals.com. And if you go over there to check out the dopest skincare products that I personally use literally every single day and night, for that matter, uh, if you enter the code LIFESTYLIST, that's one word, LIFESTYLIST, you'll save 20% and get free shipping in the U.S. So that's alaturanaturals.com. I guarantee once you try these skincare products, you're going to be addicted, period. That's just it. You can literally eat the products. I mean, that's how pure they are. And as a matter of fact, you know, when you put them on your skin, uh, your skin does eat anything you put on it. So um, that's what's up. And I think, you guys, that's just about it. The only other thing I want to uh, remind you of is to make sure that you check in for our episode on Tuesday, number 178 with Jim Quick. That is a really fun episode. Uh, we talk about mastering memory and focus. And uh, I'm going to tell you what, Jim Quick is a man that practices what he preaches. <laughs> He's a wealth of information. It's like one of those interviews where I basically didn't need to be there. You can just like wind Jim up and Jim does his thing. And he has a lot of great information. He's just a really sweetheart of a guy. So uh, make sure you subscribe to the podcast so that next week's episode and every episode to follow is automatically uploaded. Or what is it? Downloaded? Yeah. Downloaded to your phone device, computer, etc. I don't want you to miss one episode. And lastly, I'm just going to ask you, I'm on my knees now in prayer position, just saying, man, if you like this show, if you like what I'm delivering to the world, please, please do me a favor and just share this episode with a couple friends. If you want to give back, um, you know, reviews on iTunes are nice. There's a number of different things you can do. Supporting the sponsors is great. You help yourself, you help them, you help the show. 
But what really counts is you helping to spread the word because the way podcasts work is all based on uh, the, um, the data of your downloads. So when it comes to booking new guests that might be hard to book or um, you know, getting new show sponsors or just getting attention to your podcast, iTunes ratings uh, work by the number of downloads that you get. And you get downloads by people sharing the show. So you can be my PR girl, my PR, my PR guy, and just uh, go down to the app and click share. And you can text it or email it to a friend. And a lot of people even do like screen grabs and put them on their uh, Instagram stories and all that. I'm not mad at that. Whatever you want to do to help promote the show, it helps me, it helps our guests, and it helps the world. All right. Thank you so much for listening. I'll catch you next week with Jim Quick. This episode of the Lifestylist Podcast was produced by podcastmasters.net.